Again, I want to welcome you to church this morning. I'm so thankful that you're here. I'm so excited to share God's word with you today and to begin this series. We're calling it Rhythms of Revival. I'm going to talk more about that title um, and in the background of what the Lord's put on my heart and on our heart as a leadership here at Evangel Church. I know one thing for sure that as I began 2020, I never thought August 2nd would look like it looks right now. I never thought that we'd be in this uh, unique circumstance that we are walking through this season. Uh, truly once in a lifetime. Uh, many have never experienced anything like this in their entire lifetime, but I'm thankful that the Lord is still meeting us. He's still God. He's still sovereign even in this season. Amen? And uh, as we've seen all of the conditions coming, uh, you know, around us and all the things that have been swirling, I was sharing in, in prayer uh, with the Lord and just spending time pouring out my heart a few months ago uh, as we were just in the midst of this pandemic, and I felt so challenged by everything, and I continually was coming to the Lord, um, you know, asking him to change this, to heal our land, to, um, to stop this pandemic, to, um, to allow us to be able to come to church again and worship and, 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 and be able to fill the sanctuary once more. There was all these things that were in my heart in prayer, and then I began to pause, and I really felt the Lord convicting me to pray differently, to pray and ask God for his will to be accomplished in the challenges of this season for whatever deeper work he wants to do. And, and I really felt that deep in my heart, the Lord was impressing that he desires to bring something new and transformative to our land, that he would be bringing revival, that he would be stirring up something that would bring transformation, that would change our generation, something our, ne our generations never experienced before. The challenges of the day could actually usher in a move of God like we've never seen before. And so I began to pray for that. I began to tell our leaders, and as we would spend time with, uh, with our deacons and with our staff and with our leaders, I'm like, we got to pray. I believe that even through the challenges of this, of this season, God is making the atmosphere ripe for revival. And so we began to pray for that and began to ask the Lord to meet us and to bring his will about in us and through us. And I really believe, friends, that God is ready to do something. And so as we take the month of August, all the way back last fall, I was praying with our leaders. I was praying with, um, with some of our pastors. And we normally try to get a sense of what the Lord would have uh, for the messages to be, for the sermon series, for the big um, focuses all throughout the year of 2020. And so we began to pray through and we, as we have for several years, we said we we're going to start 2020 with a season of prayer and fasting, 21 days of prayer and fasting. But something different was in my heart and it resonated with our leaders. I said, I don't think for 2020 that will be enough. And as God is my witness, we have leaders that are right there in the chat. Some of you will remember this. I said, I don't think we just should have a season of prayer and fasting there. We are going to need one as well in the middle of the summer, right around August. We need to press into God's presence. There was already a prompting last fall that we needed to press into God in August. We just didn't know why. I think I know why now. Are you with me? Because we're in the midst of something that we need to seek his face like never before. And so this has been a part, I believe, of a divine appointment God has already pre-planned for us and put on our hearts long before this pandemic ever came about, that it would be a time, a season of seeking him. And that's what August is going to be for us as a church. And I pray that you will pursue him with everything that you have. As Daryl made mention to, I want you to get the most out of this experience 
experience. And for you to do that, there's one step I want to invite you to take even as we begin the message today. I want you to take out your phone, and if you haven't done it yet, I want you to text that phone number, the same number that we send prayer requests to and many other things. I want you to text 908-325-5163 and text the word REVIVAL. R-E-V-I-V-A-L. Text it to that number right here on the screen. And as you do that, we are going to then be able to get resources to you. We want to give you more information on the fast that we're going to be taking part of. We're going to give you devotionals that we've put together. Uh, they're going to lead through the 21 days of prayer and fasting. Things that you can spend time in God's word around each day as we walk forward. We want to encourage you in the journey. So take a moment right now, text that number, and that's going to help get you connected and get uh, you in a position to make the most of this experience. We are going to be having a season of prayer and fasting as a church, and I don't know if you've experienced that yet with us, but I can tell you firsthand that through these seasons of prayer and fasting, the Lord has grown and um, worked and transformed my life like never before. I've seen the Lord bring breakthrough in areas that my family had prayed for, and it was only in these seasons of pressing into God that we really were able to experience Him in a deeper, greater, more transformative transformative way. And so for that, I want to give you the dates for the season of prayer and fasting. It's going to begin on August 10th and lead all the way through the end of the month. So that's next Monday that we're going to have that season kick off. Um, and I want to encourage you even next Sunday, we're going to have a special communion service. We take communion normally right as we're entering into that season. We all eat the bread and drink the cup together and press into the Lord as we make that commitment. There are different ways that you can join in with that fast. You're going to be able to find all that information as you text that number and send uh, the word revival. We'll get you all the information. You can learn more about different types of fast, but I believe it's going to be a spiritual reset, a spiritual recalibration of our hearts and lives as we press into the Lord. Also, we're going to be spending time each morning. Myself and our other pastors and leaders are going to join you on Facebook Live, going live each morning to pray and seek God's face and bring a word of encouragement so we can all walk through this season together. So if you haven't done it yet, set up um, you know, for notifications on social media, things like that, so that you can be notified each morning as we step into that time of uh, prayer and seeking God. We are just so looking forward to what God has in store. Come on, if you're looking forward to that as well, leave a comment uh, there online. Let us know uh, that you'll be joining us. We're so excited to take this journey with you. Well, if you have your Bibles, would you open with me to 2 Chronicles? 2 Chronicles chapter 7. It's in the Old Testament. Lord, would you just breathe upon this word right now, Lord? Would you breathe upon our hearts right now? Lord, I pray that something within us will shift. And that, Lord, our priorities would be realigned to the things that you desire for us. Come and change us, Lord, we pray. Amen. You know, as we come to this passage of Scripture, there is a cycle that you read about in the Old Testament, a rhythm that forms. And it's not a healthy rhythm, it's an unhealthy rhythm. It's a rhythm that's something that's very startling. You know, I have some people that I care about in my life, some in my family, one person in my family and others that are close friends, one person that was uh, in my life group that formed the same condition in their heart, and it's called AFib. And when AFib is detected, it's, it's that the rhythm of your heart isn't beating the right way. 
and it's such a um, startling thing when people experience it because it makes you feel a certain way, but also as doctors see it, they know that, man, if that, that rhythm isn't right, it can be catastrophic in your life. And I've watched as people have gone through different um, types of treatment to all get that rhythm of their heart beating the right way so that their life is not in jeopardy. It's all about rhythms. Our life is all about rhythms. In fact, the reason you're alive right now, there's a rhythm to your breathing and a rhythm to the beating of your heart that is sustaining your life when it is all operating in the right way. Are you with me still? But when it comes spiritually, there are rhythms that are needed in our life if we want to experience the fullness of what God has for us. When those rhythms are out of sync, when those rhythms aren't right, it can be catastrophic. When we look in the Old Testament leading up to this passage of Scripture, there are some rhythms that are so unhealthy among God's people. You want to know what the rhythm looks like? It looks like people experiencing the blessing of God, experiencing the provision of God, experiencing God's nearness, then becoming complacent. Come on, say that with me. Complacent, lazy, and falling away from God. Becoming self-centered instead of God-centered. Self-focused instead of God. Focusing more on one another and what the people around them are doing. This is just the rhythm. If you read the Old Testament, they become so focused on everything else less than important. Not God's presence, not God's nearness, not God's glory. They focus on each other, on people, on preferences, on, on weighing themselves against the opinions of man. And as they do that, they start to build their lives apart from God. And that always leads them to peril and crisis. And then in crisis, they cry out to God in prayer. And the Lord moves powerfully on their behalf. And he rescues them. And they have a time where they draw near to him. All to go through that same process again. And become complacent. And then begin to look at others. And then begin to fall into sin and brokenness. And then cry out to God and he rescues them again. It's a cycle of the Old Testament. It's a pattern you see. It's even what you see here in the book of Chronicles. And the Lord begins to speak out a word to help people understand how we can break that cycle, how we can truly experience revival in our land, in our hearts, in our lives, sustaining revival. He said, you need to develop a new rhythm. Come on, somebody say, I need a new rhythm. I need something new in my life. Here's what he says. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray... And seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. He says nothing about elections. He says nothing about if they post the right things on social media, if they share this thing with 10 friends and forward it, if they. If they do the things that the world would want you to do this moment, we all want to see our land healed, don't we? We want to see God move. We want to see this pandemic come to an end. We want to see all the tensions and the brokenness in our society be restored completely. And man, we're reaching for everything. I feel like our world's reaching for everything but the true source of that healing and transformation. The Lord's given us the prescription. If my people, don't wait for anyone else to do it. If my people, are you one of his people today? He's looking to you. He's calling you out today. 
He's calling us out. If my people are called by my name, we got to quit getting frustrated about the way people that don't have his name are living. That's okay. They're living their way. We have a way that we're called to live. He's given us a prescription. Humble ourselves. And pray. And seek my face. And turn from your wicked ways. That's the prescription he gives. That's the rhythm that he gives that this needs to become the rhythm of the life of God's people. And when it does, then you know what happens? Forgiveness and healing and God turning his ear towards us. You know, there are moments that the Lord says, your voice will not be heard on high when you act that way, when you position your life that way. But he says, right, right here, right now, in this moment, if we catch this, if this becomes the rhythm of our life, then I'll hear I'll forgive and I'll heal. That's what I want, church. I don't know about you. That's what I want with everything in me. I want to know that God hears us, that God is working to heal and to forgive and bring transformation into our lives. It starts with a priority on prayer. I want you to know that as you go back in history and you study every move of God, every time that God moves, every time that God brings transformation, when we look at revivals that happen over time, you'll see everything has one foundation, prayer, getting before God, seeking him with all that we have. And as that happens, it moves the heart of God and he begins to move in the lives of his people. He begins here again, prayer, prayer that's infused with humility, there's no place for pride in our prayer life, but we humble ourselves before God. Pride often wants us to believe that we have the answer. We know what to do. We have the solution. We can do it in our own strength. And just as the Bible says over and over, pride comes before the fall. You know what I'm talking about this morning. But humility opens the door to God's presence and God's power like never before. The Lord says, I lift up those who are humble. I elevate them. The proud I oppose so we humble ourselves and we pray, but there's this other phrase in this verse, seek my face. There's truly a difference between seeking the face of God and seeking the hand of God. Seeking God to get stuff or seeking God to get God are two completely different things. Wanting more of him or wanting more of our stuff. We can miss it every time, church. There's a recalibration in our hearts. And I believe one of the most broken parts of the rhythm of unhealth that happened all throughout the Old Testament we see, and we can still see it again even in our own lives, is that so often our prayer life becomes nothing more than just crying out to God to rescue us from a bunch of messes. And God's so faithful that he does, that he moves. But there's something deeper that happens when we come before God and the only agenda is to be with God. Are you with me? That the only agenda we have is to be transformed in his presence. When's the last time you prayed a prayer like that? That had nothing to do with the crisis of the moment. That had nothing to do with the challenges of the day or the frustrations that you're feeling. But literally said, Lord, I'm here to pray today because I just want to meet with you. I just want to thank you. I just want to draw near to you, Lord. Something transformative happens, friends. When we make it the rhythm of our lives just to meet with our creator. To have a prayer life that goes much deeper. That's truly what we want to talk about today. Having a deep priority of prayer that grounds and roots our lives. Because I found that that is the foundation. The birthplace of revival if you want to experience it in your life. Here's what I know. Prayer precedes powerful moves of God. 
Prayer always paves the way. Prayer always goes before. Prayer always is that runway that God begins to use to move in someone's life. Not just prayers of desperation, but prayers of cultivation. Prayers that grow deeper in our lives, that draw near to the Lord. And as we make that the position of our lives, the Lord promises to meet with us. You know, we're here today. Ultimately, because of something that had happened 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ rose from the dead. He died for our sins, and he rose from the dead, and then he established his church. The book of Acts chapter 1, the Lord was ascending into heaven. He said, I want you to remain. I don't want you to leave the city. I want you to continue to press in. I, I, I don't want you to go, but I want you to stay and wait until the promise of power from on high is fulfilled in your life. And then Jesus ascended. Now here's what I want you to know that these followers of Jesus, the early church, the disciples that we read about, those are the only instructions we get. Jesus didn't give them a manual. The Bible hadn't been written at that time yet. We don't have any of that. All that they had to go on, you ready for me? Whenever it was time for them to wait on the Lord. And they had to wait. The Bible actually tells us they waited for 10 days. So what did they do for those 10 days? Did they go back to their nets and try to make a little bit of money? Did they, did they go back to their families and say, I know we've been on the road for, you know, better part of three years following this Jesus guy. Let's catch up. You know, what did I miss during this time? Did they, did they go through that process? You know what the Bible says that they did after Jesus ascended into heaven? It says they all joined together constantly in prayer. Come on, constantly in prayer along with the women and with Mary, the mother of Jesus' brothers. You know what they did? All they did is they just began to get before God in prayer. They began to just seek his face all the more. They began to go to that place of prayer. I want you to know, when you don't know what to do, the answer is pray. Get before God in prayer. Whenever you're wondering and there's an uncertainty about the future, they had all kinds of uncertainty. That's all Jesus said is just wait on the promise of the Father. Just wait here. Don't leave until God fulfills his word to you. And they knew what that would look like would to be constantly going before God in prayer. Why? That's the question. Why? Jesus did not give them an instruction book. All they had to go by was what they saw in the life of Jesus. I don't know if you've ever taken time to realize it, but over 25 times in the gospel accounts, it talks about Jesus going to the Father in prayer. And there are so many more moments where it's referenced or inferred that Jesus went before the Father in prayer. He would go continually to be with the Father, to be in times of solitude in prayer. Now, him and the Father were one. He had come from heaven. Jesus is, was all-knowing. Jesus was, had all the power, all authority. He had the ability to heal the sick, raise the dead to life. But he recognized and had a priority on prayer that if you really think about it, as I think about it, is kind of baffling to me. Because I'm like, what, what, what was it that he needed? I mean, he had power, he had authority. With his very word, the demons trembled. Do you know what he needed? He knew and needed to be with the Father. He knew that apart from him, he could do nothing. He said, I only do what I see the Father doing. And he cultivated that, and his disciples saw it, and they witnessed it firsthand in their lives. In Luke chapter 6, verse 12, it says this, One of those days, Jesus went out to the mountainside to pray, and he spent the night praying to God. 
In Mark chapter 1, verse 35, this is very early in the morning. While it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went to a solitary place, and he prayed there. In Luke chapter 14, verse 23, it said, After he had dismissed the people, he went up to the mountainside by himself to pray, and later that night he was there all alone. Here's what I want you to know as you really look at the prayer life of Jesus, the priority that even he placed on prayer. Here's what I learned, that he got up early in the morning and he prayed before he went into anything in, in, in what life would have for him and what the ministry before him would be that day. After he had fulfilled the ministry and after he had done that which the Father had sent him to do and the crowds were dispersing, he went back to the Father in prayer. Whenever he was all alone, he went to the Father in prayer as he stood at a place where he knew his very life was going to be taken from him and he ate a meal with his disciples. He could not get to that place of Calvary and fulfill that suffering and walk through that season if he didn't pray. And He then went into the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, come away and pray with with me, going into everything, coming out of everything, going through the challenges, Jesus showed the priority of prayer. So why wouldn't his disciples in Acts chapter 1, when given no instruction and just told just to wait, not know that if we're going to wait, that means we're going before the Lord in prayer. They modeled that which they saw their teacher, their Savior, their Lord do before them. And what convicts me when I read it because there's so often that we are going into storms and battles, going into our days, and have we been in the presence of God in prayer? And there are times we get out of our days and we're so tired and maybe ready and we just want to turn on something and we just want to tune into something. We just want to disconnect. Come on, do you use those terms when you're worn out? But as the Lord himself was poured out, what did he want to do? He knew he had to get back in the presence of the Father and reconnect. Going through the storms and the crisis, pressing in to the Father in prayer. Yes, praying for freedom from the affliction, but I believe his prayer life had deepened so much, and we see it, and it's what's meant to happen in our own lives that he could even pray, Father, not my will, your will be done in my life. This kind of prayer is, is there's a difference than the many prayers I think that we can often pray. What we often get ha happening in our lives, and I don't know if you're with me on this or you, you can agree with me, but they're going to they're gonna be what I call anxiety prayers. That as the pressure in our lives get really bad, we know that we have to call out to the Lord. And, and I promise you that's biblical. I promise you that God makes all kinds of promises about that. If you call out to me in the day of trouble, I will hear you. I will, I will answer you. I'll be near to you. And so in no way am I just trying to minimize the idea that we don't cry out to God when we're feeling that pressing or that anxiety. But I want to tell you, if that's the only time that we're going to God in prayer, we're missing something. We're missing something so deep and so powerful. There's a difference between anxious prayers and abiding prayer. Do you hear me on that? Anxious prayer or abiding prayer? It's anxious prayer or whenever I have troubles, challenges, storms that I'm walking through, and I want to call upon the presence of God to meet me, to bring transformation, to bring healing to my loved ones. What's abiding prayer? I'm glad you asked. It's found in John chapter 15, the first verses there. Here's what Jesus said to his disciples, and I think it has so much to do with our prayer life. It says, I am the vine, 
My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so it will be even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Now remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. If you remain in me, you are like a branch. uh, If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire to be burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you will bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Is there a word here that gets repeated a few times? Come on, can you say it out loud? Can you type it in the chat? Remain in me. Do you know what's really amazing that you see in the, in the gospel of, um, of, of Luke and in the book of Acts as Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he tells them what their next instruction is? Do you know what the same word in the Greek that's used is? Jesus said, I don't want you to leave, but remain. Remain here. With this amount of repetition and that same word being used, I wonder if there's not more going on to just that simple instruction that Jesus gave because that meant everything. He said, listen to me. Remain here in this place until you receive the promise of the Father. Remain in me. Just the trigger of that word being the same exact word that's being used to remain, to stay, to plant themselves. And that's what we see the early church doing. And what happens? Revival. The presence of God falls. The early church is filled with the power of God from on high. And it was 10 days of them just remaining in the Lord, just pressing into him that birthed and gave way to the church that we see in the New Testament, the church that ultimately we are a living extension of today. It all starts with that priority and remaining in God, remaining in prayer. It's our only hope, my friends. It's, it's everything to us. You look through the revivals of history. You look through every time God has moved in a significant way, and you will not find any of it absent of prayer. Prayer is the foundation. Prayer is the, the very birthplace of revival. It's a place that God meets his people. You know, whenever you look back, there's a few revivals that really catch the attention of people, but there's one that, um, as I've just looked at it over the last few weeks, has grabbed a hold of my heart, and it's called the Moravian uh, Prayer Movement or the Moravian Revival. And this happened all the way back in 1727. In fact, it was on August 13th, so only 11 days from today would be the anniversary of this. And leading up to this time, there were a group of people in Germany who had been seeking the Lord. They had gone through a lot of division, challenges, tensions in their time, but something came over them where they just believed that they had to continue to press in and seek God. And they had been praying and seeking him. And then during a communion service on August 13th, there was a powerful move of the Holy Spirit. They describe it like the day of Pentecost. The power of God and the Holy Spirit fell in such a way that it marked them. One communion service transformed. It began a prayer meeting. Hear me right now. It began a prayer meeting that lasted for 100 years. 
years, I said. Are you with me today? That a prayer meeting that went on for a hundred years started when the presence of God met a group of people that were willing to pray and seek his face. Out of this, so many of the revivals we read about in the 1800s, in the 1700s, these moves of God that were so powerful, it was out of this place of prayer. Here's what they got a heart for. They believed that they just had to continue to pray, that the fire on the altar had to keep burning, that they had to continue to pray and seek God. And what started as a few dozen people grew to 70 and then grew to some hundreds of people. And there was a place of prayer where the fire of God was burning in the hearts of men were just seeking him continuously and God birthed revival out of that. Not just one revival, but many of the revivals we talk about, we've seen, were birthed out of this movement hundreds of years ago. I don't know about you, but I want to see that kind of movement happen again. I want to see God burn in the hearts of men again. I want to see the lost be found. It was out of this revival that someone else who had a burden to see the gospel go to the ends of the earth happened in, in the modern missions movement. All the missionaries you see all around the world, that whole thrust towards global missions started in this prayer movement. There are missionaries today. There are people watching right now from Sweden and from Mexico I've learned about. Some of our missionaries are watching. It all started here. This modern movement towards getting the gospel to the ends of the earth started hundreds of years ago in this prayer meeting. Many of the people that are called the forefathers of missions came out of this movement. Because there was a place where the fire of God was burning and people's hearts were set on him. And as that happened, the Lord moved in power. You know, I often say it here for Evangel Church that prayer, the prayer meeting is like the furnace of the church. That everything else is heated. Everything else experiences its power, its atmosphere, its sustaining through what happens in the place of prayer. You know, in our, our last home, we've, we've moved uh, last year, but in our, our last home, my wife will, will be able to attest to this. We had, um, we had a second floor of a Cape Cod, and we had, um, you know, baseboard heat. And in that baseboard heat, you know, we'd be able to heat the house with hot water. And then on the second floor, there was another baseboard that was there, but it was really far away from the furnace. And we always struggle with this issue that because of how far it was away from the furnace, how almost disconnected it was, how small we learned the line was that was running to it, you could never heat that space. It would always be ice cold in the midst of winter. And not just that, our house was almost 100 years old, and so there were all kinds of cracks that were there. And no matter how hot we could get the furnace, because of where that was positioned, it could never experience the same atmosphere that we ultimately intended because there were, there were a few things going on. One is it was just too far and too disconnected that the flow that was getting to it was so small that it could never produce the heat and warmth that it would ultimately be able to be there. And also there were too many other outside influences that were affecting that space. And so it would be cold, it would be detrimental, it would be a challenge for anyone to stay there or sleep there. It became a space that was very difficult to utilize, and we had to spend exorbitant amounts of energy and time to try to create the same kind of warmth and manufacture it on our own. Whether we use an electric heater or something else like that, we had to do it on our own. The furnace wasn't able to provide for it because of where it was and the conditions around it. You know, as I thought about that illustration, I think about our own lives 
Where we position ourselves make all the difference. I promise you that in the place of prayer, it's like a furnace that can burn brightly in your heart and in your life where you can experience transformation. But if you haven't positioned yourself in the right way, if you're not there and able to fully receive what the Lord wants to give you, if your prayer life is narrow and shallow, you're never going to experience the warmth and transformation that he wants to bring. If there are too many outside influences pressing against you, you'll miss out on the fullness of what God wants to do. Do you have a priority of prayer in your life? What does that look like? I want to talk about that for just a few moments. It means you have to address some of the bandwidth for prayer. You know, for me, as I think about that illustration, the reason why it couldn't warm, the reason why it couldn't experience everything that the furnace was doing is because there was only one small line that was way too thin feeding it. What does your prayer life look like? What does my prayer life look like right now? Is it a few minutes, a few seconds a day? Is it a few sentences before I eat a meal? Is it only crying out to God in my times of crisis? My friends, I'm telling you, that's not the prayer life that will change and transform things in our lives. That's not abiding prayer. That's anxious prayer. It's just crying out to God in my day of trouble, but not spending time abiding with him outside of it. We got to increase our bandwidth. Come on, say it with me. We got to increase, increase. As we do that and remain in the Lord, the Lord moves by his presence in our lives, truly learning to abide in him. So we have to increase our time with the Lord. And you have to decrease, come on, say it with me, decrease the outside influences and other voices. If you really want to change the atmosphere, if you want an atmosphere of transformation in your life, think of it like a drafty attic that you want to heat. There are some things you have to insulate. You have to block off. You have to close out. There are some streams that are flowing in that are not bringing the right things into that space, into your life. They need to be dealt with. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up at this time. When I think about my life, when I think about the accumulation of my time, how much time am I spending on the different things that are in front of me and the ministry and the work that I put my hands to and being with my family into being online or on social media, being in the news. No wonder why there are challenges. If our time and our priority, because I want you to know your calendar is your priority. Your checkbook is your priority. How you spend the life that you have shows your priorities. I don't know if you want to cringe today. There, if you have an iPhone, you can... Turn on your iPhone and you can actually flip to, um, if you will, um, actually go to, to the right. You'll see that there is a, a bunch of different things that are on there that show some of the apps that you use. It'll sometimes show the news. But there is something now on the iPhone called Screen Time. And it will show you how you spend your time staring at this little device. You'll be startled to see how much time you spend on your phone. But what's even more startling is how much time you're spending on each of those areas. One of them is called productivity. And for some of us, it's much lower. There's one of them called social media. Sometimes that has the lion's share. What we spend our time focusing on is what's feeding us. 
And as we're being fed, that's producing the atmosphere in our lives. There are too many things that I believe in this world right now that are distracting God's people from receiving God's presence, his power, his fullness. I believe that the news and political things that are going on and unrest around us, all these things are happening. But I really believe that instead of driving us to the place of prayer, it's driven us to online platforms that we can talk about them, debate about them, share our opinions, share our feelings, share our frustrations. I want to tell you, friends, that's not the pathway to transformation. It needs to lead us to the place of prayer, to our knees, to cry out to God, into his presence. I've seen some of the people that I know that have had to just tune it out, said, you know what, I'm just taking a break. I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm turning off those apps. I'm turning off that, that influence in my life. I can't keep leaning into it the way that I have. I need to get before the Lord. If you really want to experience a priority of prayer, a priority on his presence, we're going to have to learn to tune out some voices. We're going to have to tune out some news during this season. We're going to have to tune out some of our own preferences, some of the things that we normally run to. And many of these things, they may be good. They may not be bad things, but they will distract us in the end. What will it look like for you and for me to say during this season, I don't really want to hear many other voices. The only voice I really want to hear is from God. Is anyone here desperate to hear from God in this season? I promise you it gets really confusing if there are a million other voices. The Lord says, I'm not in the winds and the waves and the, the, the storms and all these things. I'm, I'm in a still small voice where I want to speak to you. What will it look like for me to drown out everything else, push it aside so I could hear the voice of God in my life? And as we're willing to do that, here's what will happen in us. It produces something. It produces power in your life when you make a priority on prayer. There is a power that will fill your life when you turn your heart towards the Lord. It's in that place of power that the Lord transforms us. Man, it's like whenever we plug into the place of prayer, we make that the priority. There is power waiting on the other side. If you abide, Jesus said, remain in me and I'll remain in you. Plug into me, I'm your source. Source of power, source of transformation, source of everything. The second is perspective. In that place of prayer, we receive power and we uh, receive perspective when prayer becomes our priority. And what is that perspective all about? It shapes our heart. Sometimes we begin to literally want different things. Why? Because we want God's will most in our lives. Do you know what's shaping our perspectives right now? The opinions of man. The opinions of people. The perspectives of others. That's always been a problem. In all the rhythms that you see in the Old Testament, they begin to wonder what everyone else is thinking, what everyone else is wanting, and God's people begin to want after those same things. My friends, let's shut it out that we can get God's perspective for our hearts and our lives. That can only come from the place of prayer. It can only come from pursuing his presence with everything we have. So if you want to make prayer a priority in your life, I want to give you a few things. And if you're taking notes or you'll see it there in the chat, I want to just encourage you with a few things. Number one, schedule it daily. Schedule it. If you want it to be a priority, schedule time daily to be with the Lord and be in his presence. Schedule that time daily. Number two, get alone. We see that Jesus spent time in prayer with others, but he got alone with the Father. 
There are times it's great to hear others pray. It's, time, it's great to be around others. It's great to pray with your family, but get alone with the Father. Get into your prayer closet. Get into a place where it's just you and him. Spend that time. Wake up and spend that time with him. Before you go to bed, spend that time with him. Going into the storm, coming out of the storm, spend that time with him. Get alone with him. And three, tune out distractions. Tune out all the distractions. There's so many things that are trying to alert you, notify you, keep your attention. Tune it out. Put your phone on airplane mode. Do whatever you need to do. Unplug so you could plug into God. And if you'll just position yourself and say, prayer will be the priority. God promises to meet you with power. Come on, right where you are right now, would you just close your eyes with me? We're going to just pray and ask God to meet us. If you're hungry for his presence, if you're hungry for God to move in your life, if you're hungry for God to do what only he can do, right now just begin to invite him to come. Would you begin to commit yourself to him during this season? Lord, we commit ourselves to you, Lord, afresh, anew. Come and move in my life, I pray, Lord. We thank you, Lord God, that you see your people crying out to you all across our land, Lord God. Even all across our world as people are watching from different places, Lord God. We turn our face towards you. We make prayer the priority of our heart and our life to meet with you, to be transformed by you. We love you, Lord, and we pray in this journey that you will go before us. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to look at me right now. If you're ready to take this journey again, I want to encourage you to let us know. To text that word revival to 908-325-5163. If you're like, Pastor, I'm in. I'm ready. I want to experience everything that God has for me. Just text that word revival and let us know. And we're going to begin to get you those resources. And as we kick off the fast next week, we believe God's going to meet us. But in the meantime, through this week, I want you to begin to position your life differently. Make prayer the priority for God to move like never before. Today, if something's stirring in your heart and you're watching this and you're far from God, you have no relationship with him. I want you to know God is near and he desires to have a personal relationship with you. If you're ready to take that step, you're ready to commit your whole heart, your whole life to Jesus, I want you to take your phone and text the word Jesus to 908-325-5163 or click the link right here in the chat. You'll see it. Just text the word Jesus. That'll let us know you're ready to begin a brand new relationship with him. And this week we'll be glad to connect with you, to walk with you, to talk with you, to pray with you and help you make the most important decision you could ever make in your life. Church, I don't know about you, but I feel such a sense of expectation that God is ready to do something new in our hearts and in our lives in this season. Are you ready for it? Are we ready to experience everything that he has for us? Are we ready to worship him wholeheartedly? Amen. Amen. Well, I want to encourage you. Our worship team is going to sing one final song about the goodness of God, how faithful he is. Worship with us. Share this message with someone this week, and let's lean in and get ready to experience God's blessing in our lives. Lord, bless your people now, Lord God. Make your face shine on them. Give them your peace, Lord God. Give them your abundance. And as we make prayer the priority, Lord God, light our hearts on fire. Change our land. Transform our families, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you, church family. Let's worship the Lord as we close out our time.